0: Now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings Witness Radio with your host, Ryan Muniak.
1: Welcome to the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Our sole purpose is to save souls on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. Connect with the show on Facebook, Twitter, Google, Periscope, or by calling 513 900 8070. Today, Laura Fairhaven tells us about the American Holocaust and how we can fight against it. This talk was taken from the Women in Ministry DVD, available at WitnessTalkRadio.org. You're listening to Witness Radio. You may wonder what the American
0: Holocaust is, or you may be very well familiar with that term. For those who may be less familiar, the American Holocaust refers to the estimated 60 million Preborn born babies who have been murdered in the United States in the 42 years since Roe v. Wade became the law of the land. You may wonder why I would speak on abortion. Isn't this a political issue, a woman's reproductive rights issue, a healthcare issue? Why should I get involved? Listen to a story Jesus told. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to have eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. When asked the greatest commandment, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Charles Spurgeon said, who am I to love? My neighbor. What am I to do? I'm to love him. How am I to do it? I'm to love him as I love myself. So who is our neighbor? If you knew the place and the time that a child would be murdered, would you do something to try to stop it? You do know. Every day in the U.S., more than 3,500 preborn babies will be murdered. They are as human as you and I, yet it's legal to murder them. They have no voice and few to speak on their behalf. Would you walk by on the other side of the road or would you have compassion and get involved? We know that the Bible says murder is wrong, and while there are many passages about the sin of murder, the most well-known is Exodus 20.13, you shall not murder. Most people will not disagree with that, even as unbelievers, because God has written his law on our hearts, and we know that murder is wrong. Abortionist Neville Sender was quoted as saying, of course we know it's killing, but the state permits killing in certain circumstances. Many wonder, why the gospel? Why not just statistics about abortion and abortion-related complications for women? I'm not going to give you many statistics today, except to say that approximately 60 million have been murdered in the last 42 years. My friend Patty Smith said something really profound to me when I was asking for advice from her and some other godly women who have been sidewalk counselors for many years. Patty said, more and more, I'm convinced and convicted That is the word of God set aflame by the spirit of God, which does the work of God in the minds and hearts of human beings. We can give women statistics and possibly change their behavior in the short term. But statistically, many of those women will be back for repeat abortions. It is the gospel that changes hearts and minds and saves people from their sins. Abortion is the sin of murder. It stems from other sins, such as adultery and fornication, idolatry and the sin of unbelief, not trusting God. Many who come to murder their children do so because of the sin of adultery or fornication. When I ask women why they are seeking abortion, it's not uncommon to hear that they are unmarried and don't want a baby or another baby. Some other things are that the, the men that come with them say, well, this child's not mine. I don't want to take care of it. Now, let me tell you something. Not everyone is there because of, uh, the sin of fornication or adultery. Some women are raped. Some are, um, in, have incestuous relationships that were forced upon them. This is completely different. And it's statistically 1% of all abortions are done because of the claim of rape or incest. Now, to those who have been raped or been involved in incest, I want to tell you that that was a horrible thing that happened to you. It should not have happened. It was an act of violence against you and by no means should that person go unpunished. However, the baby conceived in rape should never be punished for the crime of the father. A lot of women report the fact that abortion actually victimizes them again because when they come to the realization of what they did to their child, they're incredibly sorry that they exacted um, a violence upon their child worse than what was exacted upon them in the rape. So children conceived in rape Do not deserve the penalty of death abortion is showing partiality the strong oppressing the weak abortion is sacrificing children to idols moloch was a false god of ancient canaan in hebrew his name means king of shameful sacrifice babies were placed in the idol's arms or abdomen and burned alive and it was believed that moloch would give them financial prosperity and bless future children You may think this has nothing to do with the practice of abortion, but consider these words from one abortionist who practices in Boston from the book, Confessions of an Abortion Doctor. I have the utmost respect for life. I appreciate that life starts early in the womb, but I also believe I'm ending it for good reasons. Often I'm saving the woman or I'm improving the lives of other children in the family. I also believe that women have a life they have to consider. If a woman is working full time, has one child already, and is barely getting by, having another child that would financially push her to go on public assistance is going to lessen the quality of her life. And it's also an issue for the child if it's not going to have a good life. Life's hard enough when you're wanted and everything's prepared for you. So yes, I end life, but even when it's hard, it's for a good reason. Is this not modern day child sacrifice? Does not God hate this practice? This is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. That's John 3, 19-21. Satan loves abortion because he hates those created in the image of God, and he's set on destroying the image bearers of God. The Bible tells us what God thinks of children. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers. Proverbs 17.6 Abortion doesn't just take the life of one person. It ends generations of people. Let's talk about what abortion ministry is not. It's not screaming at women. We do raise our voices or use voice amplification because of proximity. We are on the sidewalk and women are 30 or more feet away from us, being shielded by the pro-choice escorts whom we call death escorts. They're keeping them away from us and instructing them not to listen to us. It's not shaming women. Abortion ministry is not about shaming women, but about bringing them to the knowledge of what God says about the sin that they're about to commit against God and against the children created in his image. Guilt or shame should be a natural outcome of the realization of their sin. It's not judgment or condemnation. Those on the sidewalk are not there to bring our own judgment to those murdering their children. It's to warn those participating in this evil practice of the wrath to come if they sin against God and their child in this manner. It's not about hating women. We do not stand out in all sorts of weather to hate women, but to love them enough to tell them the truth, which the abortuary does not tell them. Besides spiritual consequences, there are often physical ones for the women and emotional ones because they suppress the truth that they have killed their child. It's not protesting. We are not protesters in the sense they mean as protesting women's rights. We are protesting the deaths of millions of innocent children and trying to stop that evil practice. It's not women's health care. There is no health care where a person is purposely killed. Health care is always about prolonging or saving lives. What abortion ministry is, first and foremost, it's about sharing the gospel, calling sinners to repentance. Speaking the plain truth of God's word and allowing the spirit to convert the mind and the conscience. We speak with God's voice and we plead with lost moms. Some of the verses we use are, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Hebrews 3.15 And truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3.3 Abortion ministry is offers of help for both mom and baby. Physical, emotional, and spiritual, both pre-abortion and post-abortion. When a car pulls in, we smile and we try to offer them information. We ask them to please come talk to us. We say we have something for them. We tell them we have information for them of places they can go for real help for them and their child. Places that offer all assistance free. We want to help women. We don't want to harm women and children. Abortion ministry is loving our tiniest neighbors as ourselves by leaving the comfort of our homes and lives and giving time to speaking up for those who have no voice. Now, people want to know if we're successful. As in any other ministry, there are measurable results, such as babies saved from murder, and people who receive the good news of Jesus Christ repent and are born again. However, often we don't see the results, and we may never know until heaven. The Bible tells us that some plant, some water, and God causes the increase. It's God that causes the increase. We are responsible only to obey the command to go. God through the Holy Spirit converts the soul. Charles Spurgeon said, we are not responsible to God for the souls that are saved, but we are responsible to to God for the gospel that is preached and for the way that we preach it. We speak the truth in love. We need to speak the truth that abortion is murder and an offense to a holy God. Some are uncomfortable with that truth and feel we are hurting women and should not use the word murder. The problem with that is if women do not know that they are sinning, they cannot turn from that sin, repent, and receive forgiveness. First John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've already had an abortion, and statistically, it's a good possibility many of you have had at least one, please know that if you have repented, Romans 8.1 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. However, if you have not repented, if you are justifying your abortion, please drop to your knees and cry out to God and ask for forgiveness for sinning against him and that child. That's where true healing will begin for you. We have found that women who have had abortions but have repented and found forgiveness are very supportive of sidewalk ministry, and they either come out to the sidewalk or they share stories to encourage those of us who do. But those who have not repented are very angry against sidewalk ministry or calling abortion murder. Please turn to Christ for forgiveness and healing, and then support those of us who are trying to save women and children from the same fate. Now we hear many excuses out on the sidewalk about why women are there for an abortion. We hear not enough money, we already have children, the baby's not mine, uh, my spouse, my boyfriend's. Men who accompany women say the baby's not there so they won't take care of it. We hear I'm too old, I'm too young, I want to finish school. There's no baby there yet, just a clump of cells. I don't want children. From companions, we hear things like, I believe abortion is wrong, but... And then I'm here to support her decision. I want to be supportive. She's going to do what she's going to do. I'm only responsible for my own sins. The most disturbing things we hear are from people who claim the name of Christ. And most who come to the abortion mill do claim the name of Christ. When asked, they will say, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. Some will even say I go twice a week. Some will say I've prayed and God's okay with it. God is forgiving. God forgives all sins. I will pray and god has to forgive me my pastor said it was okay god understands my heart judge not i could never give my baby up for adoption there are too many children in foster care if i give birth i'll want to keep the baby i don't want to give birth babies go to heaven so it doesn't matter this is why the gospel is first and foremost at the abortuary The church has taught cheap grace and a God who exists to make us happy and to okay any and all of our decisions. He is their God, but he is not the true God of the Bible. Here are some common objections we hear about why we should not be on the sidewalk trying to save women and children from abortion. From Christians we hear, Jesus loves and does not judge. Jesus would never stand out here and shame women. God hates what you're doing here. We hear that they don't like the signs we're holding, especially the graphic signs. They say they're not appropriate and that um, no one should have to look at them.
1: Imagine if you could change society's
0: stance on abortion. It's a woman's right to choose and every situation is a different situation. Are you gonna vote differently and think differently about this? Yeah,
1: I think I would. I think
0: I definitely would. I'm for abortion. It's never okay to kill a baby in the womb so you're going to change your mind about abortion yes i am you're going to vote differently in future yes vote against abortion
1: what was it that changed their minds in a matter of seconds find out go to 180movie.com for details the good news is striving for eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting Scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 2911 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. A pastor
0: whom I met on the sidewalk who's been doing this ministry for some 20 or more years, recently told me the story of meeting two of a set of triplets. The women approached him on the sidewalk where he had a sign of a beautiful baby next to a graphic image of an aborted baby. Both of the women had had abortions. The first woman told him that the graphic sign would not have dissuaded her from her abortion, but the beautiful baby would have. The second woman agreed with her sister and said that the beautiful baby would not have dissuaded her, but the graphic image of the child murdered by abortion would have. The pastor then said to the women, and how do you know it wouldn't have taken both signs to reach the heart of your third sister? We don't know what will reach the hearts of those coming for abortion, but God does. And there is room for both loving, gentle signs that prick softer hearts and for graphic signs that prick harder hearts. When people strongly oppose the graphic images, I remind them that it wasn't until the pictures of the Holocaust victims started emerging from Nazi Germany that the world became truly horrified and moved with compassion for the plight of the Jews. We take no pleasure in showing graphic signs. They hurt my heart every time. But we need to be more upset that such an atrocity exists than than at those that are trying to expose and stop the American Holocaust. Some other objections we hear from non-Christians are protesting women's health care. How would you like it if I stood in front of your doctor's office and yelled at you? First of all, again, it's not health care. And uh, health care is always about saving lives, so that doesn't even apply. The non-Christians also use don't judge. They ask, have you adopted any children? Why don't you do something to help women and children? Why aren't you feeding the poor? Stop trying to solicit a baby. And they say that because there are some women who stand out there, and even I have a sign that tells that women will adopt, that we know families that will adopt if they're willing to choose life for their child. But then they harass us and say that we're trying to solicit babies. They say, stop forcing motherhood on women. Stop harassing women. Jesus is, and then insert a lot of colorful language. As with any ministry and with following Jesus, there's a cost to discipleship. It will cost you, it will cost you money. A lot of the people on the sidewalk use their own resources to buy the materials they need to be able to reach out to abortion-determined women. It will cost you your time. Several people drive from a half hour to an hour away to be at the abortuary to stand up for those who have no voice. You may be yelled at, threatened, spit on, falsely accused, possibly arrested, Having Christians tell you you are wrong, being called radical, you will be misjudged, you will be maligned. All these are things that Jesus and his disciples suffered for the sake of the gospel. And for the sake of the gospel, they suffered much worse. There's spiritual warfare there, and it is real. Discords are often laughing, joking, mocking, shielding women from the truth. And people that are entering are doing the same. They're laughing, mocking, joking. I've done a lot of witnessing ministry, but I've never felt spiritual warfare like I do standing in front of the abortion mill. So what can I do? Well, one person cannot do everything, but every person can do something. Start by praying and ask God to give you a passion for lost souls and for the preborn who have no voice of their own. Join us on the sidewalk. We need godly men and women who will speak on behalf of those with no voice and who will take the light of the gospel to the darkness at the abortuary. If you can't go to an abortuary to minister, you can help those who do. Prayer is most important. Without prayer, our efforts are our own, and they are in vain. We need help with ministry materials. Please support those who go out onto the sidewalk with the materials they need to reach abortion-determined mothers, we have a lot of great materials. We have a beautiful book called The Tiny Hands Book. It's beautiful. It's filled with pictures of developmental uh, milestones for pre-born babies, and it's loaded with scripture. It's just a beautiful, beautiful item to have. And then we have brochures with resources for abortion-determined mothers where they can go for help that isn't the abortuary. We also have other items that tell what could happen to a woman through an abortion what can, what the baby feels just a lot of great things and it's all anchored together with a gospel tract because as i said the gospel is the most important thing we also have blessing bags which we use to give to um mothers who change their minds who don't go through with their abortions and these blessing bags are they can be anything from uh resources that will help the baby like diapers and lotions and uh, clothes and rattles. They can be uh, blankets, hats, just little socks, and they can be items for the mom, lotions, a scented candle, prenatal vitamins, um, a little necklace or bracelet, just anything you think would bless a mom. We also add a Bible and a gospel tract because, of course, the gospel is the most important thing you can disciple a father or mother you can drive a mother to her doctor's appointments you may be able to take in a pregnant teen or woman who needs a safe home you might be able to give support to a post-abortive mother if you're post-abortive please share your story either at the abortuary or one-on-one with abortion determined women or post-abortive women i have some stories i'd like to share with you that have uh, happened since I started abortion ministry. The first one, I was out to lunch with some friends, and I mentioned what I do on the sidewalk. They asked uh, what I do there and how it's going. And when I told them, uh, one of my friends got a funny look on her face, and I thought, oh, no, here it comes. She's going to berate me for what I'm doing because a lot of Christians just don't understand and don't like what we're doing. But instead, she got tears in her eyes, and she squeezed my hand and she said, keep doing what you're doing. And I just looked at her for a minute and then she started to talk and she said, when I was young and newly married, my husband and I were planning to get divorced when I found out I was pregnant. She said, I didn't wanna be a single mother and he didn't want me to have the baby. So our last act together as a married couple was going to be going to the abortuary and murdering our child well when they arrived they were greeted by sidewalk counselors there were faithful men and women out on the sidewalk who were there to talk to the women and men entering the abortion mill as they spoke to this couple they started to see a change in their hearts the woman still went in she still kept her appointment to go in she registered But the abortuary was so full that day, she came back out to the sidewalk where the counselor kept talking to her. And the husband stayed outside on the sidewalk the whole time. So he was hearing from the counselor the whole time he was out there. Well, after several times of going in and out and the fact that the abortuary was packed that day, she finally came out one last time to talk to the the counselor. And she decided that abortion was not what God wanted them to do. They talked about it. They left that place. The great news is, not only did their child live, but their marriage lived. And they lived spiritually. They became born-again Christians. Their marriage healed. They went on to have two other children. And that first child, whom they almost killed, went on to have their grandchildren. That story blesses me every time I think about it. And I remember her words, keep doing what you're doing. Then I think of another friend of mine in her 50s. Who told me she was forced at 17 by her mother to have an abortion she found out she was pregnant with her boyfriend from high school and the mother thought that would bring great shame to their family so instead of allowing the child to live and maybe finding an adoptive home or allowing her to raise the child the mother insisted she have an abortion she's been very torn up about that ever since and she wishes she had had the strength or um, the ability to leave that situation and flee from her parents and keep her child. And I often wonder, if there had been sidewalk counselors that day, would she have had the strength to do that? And would she have had people to care for her and her child? The last story I'm going to tell you is about something that happened to us this year, recently on the sidewalk. We ran into um, a girl who had come for an abortion. What happened is she came on a Friday because there's a 24-hour waiting period in Ohio. You have to have a counseling appointment, and then the next day you can schedule your abortion. So she came in for her counseling appointment with her mother and her grandmother. Uh, She saw sidewalk counselors out there. She was approached with information, but they didn't speak to them. They just went in. The uh, grandmother and mother wouldn't let her speak to anybody. She went inside. As she looked around in there, she realized that she really didn't want to do this. She was being forced to do this. So she determined that she was not coming back. However, the next day, Saturday, she showed up. And fortunately, there were a lot of people on the sidewalk that morning there with signs and information offers of help. And as that car pulled in with the grandmother driving and the mother with her, They parked, she got out of the car and immediately went to the sidewalk and asked for help. She actually approached my daughter and started asking for help. Another lady from our church who heard what was going on came over and offered assistance and started uh, helping her get out of that situation. It's a very long story to go into, but to make a long story short, Uh, the police were even involved, because in trying to rescue this girl and her child, the grandmother called the police and said she'd been kidnapped. And my friend was put in the back of a police car on suspicion of child kidnapping. In the end, it was all cleared up, and thanks to the sidewalk counselors, thanks to those who were there Friday and Saturday, thanks to my friend and my daughter and their willingness to get involved, this woman, is now, this girl, 16 years old, is now safe, and her baby's safe. The grandmother wouldn't let her come home. It was uh, January then, so it was very cold outside. It was about 20 degrees, and the grandmother says, you cannot come home if you're pregnant. So instead of going home, she went to her boyfriend's house where the boyfriend's mother helped her by contacting Child Protective Services. They put her in a foster home, and she and her baby are safe today, and she's doing well. The foster family is willing to have her stay there with her and her child until they're ready to move out on their own. Uh, the other good thing about this is the boyfriend is really wanting to step up and be a father and a husband to do the right thing and get married. And they're all attending church. They've all started, uh, going to church together and learning more about God. So we pray that, that salvation would take root in their hearts. So the churches remain largely silent. This isn't glamorous work. It's not work for the mighty or the strong only, but it's work for nobodies. It's work for those who care nothing for the applause of men, but are willing to humble themselves for the good of their neighbor and in obedience to God. They're willing to become fools for Christ. It's simple work for simple Christians who love the Lord with all their hearts and love their neighbors as themselves. Will you love your preborn neighbors or will you sing a little louder?
1: as they're being taken to slaughter. You're listening to Witness Radio. For help and resources regarding the issue of abortion, please visit the show notes page for this episode at witnesstalkradio.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please rate it and share the show with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you.
0: Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.